you are now about to experience the Revive Effect. My name is Matt Celestio, entrepreneur and holistic health specialist. And if you're ready to start your health journey but don't know where to begin, you are in the right place. At Revive, we create better ways of living for our generation by changing the conversation around health. Each episode shows you exactly how to build health into your life and you'll unlock tactics to improve your sleep, nutrition, anxiety, self-talk, and mind. Break free from quick fix culture. It's time you learn to love your body and ignite the fire that makes you feel like the real you again. Welcome to The Revive Effect. Welcome back to season two of the Revive Effect podcast. I'm your host, Matt Celestio, tuning in for the first episode of the new year. And I'm so excited because we have a really powerful episode lined up today around this concept of stress and anxiety, something that I personally struggle with, a lot of people and clients that we work with struggle with. So I think it's going to hit home for a lot of people listening, maybe even yourself personally. So I'm going to open today with a story and I want you to pay close attention to what I'm about to say. I was once speaking with a friend not too long ago, and I asked her, when do you feel anxious? And her response was, "Um, from the minute I open my eyes each morning. And this is something that really resonates with so many people, and me personally too. Sometimes you wake up right in the morning, you're thinking about what you got to do, what you have to face today, how many things are going to maybe just throw you a curveball throughout the day that you aren't prepared to deal with. Now, our generation is built on people who are burnt out, they are overwhelmed, dealing with anxiety, overworked, stressed out. And you might be thinking to yourself right now, yes, that's exactly me. That's exactly what I go through on a day-to-day basis. Now, I want you to pause here and ask yourself, is our generation the problem for anxiety? Are your friends the problem for your anxiety? Or how about your work? Is that the problem for your anxiety? Or is the real problem the way in which you respond to the world around you? I truly believe that it's the latter. I really believe that the way in which we operate the world, our perspective and our environments in those environments really tie on our stress and anxiety. And without this mindful and aware approach, we will forever be stuck in our anxious, spiraling, stressed out state. Now, I believe that the real problem is the way in which we respond to the world is because how many people do you know in certain situations? Let's say, I'll give you an example, public speaking. For some people, that is mortifying. Remember when we had to stand in front of the class, grade 8, grade 12, whatever it was, we had to deliver a presentation that we obviously knew nothing about? Your heart was racing, your palms were sweaty, your mouth was so dry that your lips are sticking to your teeth. You are so anxious and stressed out. However, there's some kids in the class that just get up there with such charisma and confidence and a sense of calm that's unmatched. So the problem is not ourselves. It's the way in which we respond to those environments. So we can't be concrete saying work stresses me out or our friend stresses us out. It's ourselves reacting and interpreting those situations around us that are stressing us out. So that's why today on our episode, I want to give a warm welcome to our guest, Amanda Schmidt, who is going to help us dive through this concept of stress and anxiety in order to relieve it, gain more control around it, and find our sense of calm. Now, Amanda is a personal development coach with a powerful why behind what she does. She believes her purpose and the reason why she was put in this life at this time is to help others and help them heal. 
Now, I met Amanda at a networking event where we just hit it off talking about everything from health to spirituality to life. And after our talk that day, I knew we could both have an incredible conversation around our generation's stress and anxiety problem and really offer you some actionable insights to leave you feeling clearer minded, in control of your spiraling and empowered to deal with your everyday stressors. So what you can expect in this episode is everyday tools and tactics you can use to minimize your stress and anxiety. We're going to look at stress and overeating and stress and undereating. We're also going to look at social media and comparison. Does this encourage stress and anxiety? And one of the biggest things that I want you to stick around for is our final topic, which is how to stop yourself from spiraling and getting in your own head. And this episode really comes at a great time because as we've been working with a lot of clients here at Revive and listening and understanding the responses to our content and our podcasts, do you know what the biggest aspect our clients struggle with? It's not necessarily eating. It's not necessarily working out. It is stress and anxiety. These are the things that leave them debilitated and their, their mind just is so in a spiraling state that they can't even take the action that is necessary and that they truly want to really benefit and better their lives. So I want to tell you that we have been working with clients and we've got some amazing reviews from our new Live Better program, which is our online holistic six-week program that you learn to master six simple practices, leaving you feeling lighter, less anxious, more confident, and helps you get back to being you. And I want to read a review from one of our clients, Amanda, not Amanda today, our guest, but uh, one of our members of the Live Better program who found amazing results that hopefully you can as well. So she says, I started off this program really unsure about how to fix my self-talk and surrounding environments in a positive way without being self-destructive. I feel like this program gave me tons of healthy tools to navigate my self-talk, environments, and anxiety in a way that is actually beneficial to my health. My life after this program and its useful advice has helped me shift towards a healthier mindset and alleviating my anxiety, which will continue to be something that will be improving. Now, she gave us five stars. Amanda, you are amazing. Thank you so much for your amazing work in the Live Better program. And I want everybody to also experience this as well. So if that is something that sounds like you and how you see yourself and imagine yourself in the future becoming, I want you to just pay close attention to what is included in this program. So entirely video-based, it's all done for you. It takes you step-by-step. And six weeks, this is the content that you usually and will get. Week one, we talk about the mind, negative self-talk, mind work, and intentions to help you really solidify a proper strategy to make the changes in your life and stay consistent with it. Now, week two, we dive into environment and how to avoid negative influences and the toxic environments around you. Week three, we dive into nutrition. So we look at three super simple nutrition tweaks to improve digestion, lose weight, and elevate your health. Again, they're so simple. It's actually mind-blowing how well they actually move the needle in terms of your gut health, your digestion, your bloating, and your even waistline. Now, week four, we dive into movement. So we find we look at finding more energy, get moving, and feel alive again. And that's not just in the gym. We work at improving movement in ways that you enjoy and we can build into your life. So don't think you're going to be grinding it out in the gym unless you want to because we also give you that option and step-by-step for that as well. Week five, this is the bread and butter. We look at stress and anxiety, how to find inner peace, zen out, and master your anxiety. And week number six, we look at supercharging your sleep quality and how to wake up feeling refreshed. Now, this program is entirely online. You can go step-by-step through the program in the six weeks it takes or go at your own pace. 
entirely up to you. Now, I've left a link in the show notes wherever you are listening this to this to. Now, just go ahead, click it, head over to our website where you will see everything that's included, how much the investment is, and exactly what you're going to get inside the program. So thank you for listening. Now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode with Amanda Schmidt so we can find out what to do when you are stressed, anxious, and spiraling. Let's go. All right, welcome back to The Revive Effect. Matt Celestio here with my special guest, Amanda Schmidt. Amanda, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Now, how are you feeling today just diving into this awesome episode we're about to? I'm feeling great. You know, I woke up early this morning, had a great breakfast, did some yoga, and a great start to the day. So I'm ready to go. I love it. I love it. Now, in relation to feelings, which is something that we all experience throughout the day, it ebbs and it flows one of the biggest feelings that a lot of us almost succumb to is this feeling of stress or this feeling of anxiety. Now, these terms are often used interchangeably. So I just want to really define what anxiety means to you. And you can even give us some examples in real life. That yeah, definitely. Um, I think anxiety is usually from a trigger. Um, sometimes can cause you to have panic or anxiety attacks. Um, something that's a bit more long lasting that stays with you until you kind of work through what it is that's giving you anxiety. It may be something internal. It may be something external with work or your family, your boyfriend. Um, you know, I've had pretty bad anxiety before, you know, interchange interchangeably with depression. Um, it can be a bit paralyzing, um, you know, don't really have energy to do anything. Uh, a little bit restless, not really getting a lot of sleep. Um, it's usually psychological more so than stress is. Um, and you can get nauseous, but it usually comes from a fear. So anxiety usually comes from a fear and you have to just learn how to work through those fears and those triggers. Um, because I think when you're in the moment, you kind of feel like you don't have control over your emotions or over the anxiety. Um, so, you know, you can always ask for help. That's something that I've done in the past mm -hmm. and that's always worked out for me. Yes. And one of the big things I took away from what you just said was it's this almost ongoing feeling that we get. And that's the thing about anxiety. It's always about the future. And we're always thinking about this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And when we were speaking earlier, you talked about, you know, what if to, you know, what now? Is that what we were talking about before? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I mean, I have had therapists that I've worked with in the past and they've kind of taught me from thinking about what if, what if this doesn't work out? What if this happens? What if that happens to what's happening now? What can you focus on now to kind of alleviate um, that stress of the future and stay in the present because that's where anxiety usually comes from is the future or maybe it's maybe you're starting a new job at work and you're anxious about that um, so really what it comes down to is finding really great coping mechanisms to work through um, those those types of anxieties yeah I agree with you and that's the thing with the what ifs is we're always thinking about this stuff that doesn't actually happen or has not even happened yet so we're almost doing it to ourselves and that's what's really creating this anxious state that we're in. And that's when we start spiraling, we start going down that rabbit hole. And one of the things, just before we dive into the next question that I wanna address here is, when you're in that spiraling state, 
you're acting in this emotional reactive state. So the part of your brain that is responsible for that stress response is heightened. And the logical part is actually turned off at that time. So the one way to shift back into that logical mindset is to do something that requires logic. So often, I'm not comparing anybody to children, but when children are, think about them having a temper tantrum. Right. They can't think, they're screaming, they're crying, they don't, they don't know how to use their words. Now, one common tactic in a daycare that's used is, let's say Jimmy, the kid's having a temper, temper tantrum. Jimmy, count to five. So in that state, he goes from using his emotional brain to his logical brain. One, two, three. So he's counting logically. Now, what that does is something very special because it switches you back into that more logical thinking state. And once you're there, that's when you're able to better cope with that anxiety. You're able to, you know, let's say, I'm not being logical. That's not going to happen. And it really helps you just reground and center. Would you agree? Like, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for me personally is when I get really stressed, stressed and anxious, um, it's because there's so many things going on for me all at once. And it's difficult for my brain to kind of, you know, prioritize or work through things one by one. Um, so, you know, you really just have to take a step back. Um, you just, you know, you regroup and yeah. You reground almost. Yeah. And I like what you said about that overstimulation because that's going to dive us right into the next part right here. And one of our problems with our generation, especially with overstimulation, is this concept of social media. We are trained to just watch 10 to 15, 30 second reels and then on to the next without actually thinking about it. So that's why I want to dive right into social media because we're looking back at anxiety. It's a chronic state of worry. That's what I define anxiety as. Now, when we're plugged into TikTok, Instagram, YouTube every single day, this is where this overstimulation really gets to be a problem. Now, I want to touch on social media's comparison and its relation to anxiety because I believe we've created an epidemic of comparison that we subconsciously buy into every day. So Amanda, how much of a role do you believe Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube plays in someone's stress and anxiety levels? I think it plays a huge role. Um, I know for me in the past, I've compared myself to Instagram models or you know even the Kardashians and you know they work out from, you know, the best trainers in the world. They, they eat super well. And, um, you know, but the point is, is that you don't have to think that you have to look like someone you're not. Um, because, you know, we're constantly bombarded with how you should look. Um, you know, everything's edited. Um, and and um, so often we forget that too, right? Yeah. We say we know, but yet we still fall into that rabbit hole, right? Definitely. You know, you feel the constant need to feel like you need to show off your life, show off all these great things that are happening, um, you know, how great your life is. It's like, it's like a constant um, popularity contest on, this, on, on these social apps. Um, you know, you have to show your life is so great, constantly having to be interesting, um, constant comparison to other people, other girls, who is the newest bag who's doing this, who's doing that, and then celebrities with, you know, unrealistic, you know, expectations to millions of women and girls. And it makes some people feel like they're not enough, body-wise, look-wise, or going into what girls think men want and feeling not good enough when they're looking in the mirror. Um, and, you know, the message that I would have to, especially younger girls, um, is that, you know, you're special, you're unique, your body is fine, 
Um, you need to focus on being healthy and feeling good than feeling like you have to meet these expectations. And, you know, I think that's a hard thing for some people to do um, because it affects your mental health. Yeah, for sure. Because you, like we always said in the beginning, anxiety is that chronic state of worry. You're chronically worrying about living up to these standards, these this way of life, this way of living that maybe you don't even like. You're just kind of going down that rabbit hole because everybody else does, right? Definitely. Um, you know, I used to look in the mirror and I used to say, I'm not working out enough. I'm not doing this enough. I'm not doing what these people are doing. Um, and, you know, you're just trying to manage yourself based on, you know, what you're going through in that time of your life. Um, you know, it's taken me a long time to be happy with my body and confident um, and what, you know, I share with the world. You know, my tip uh, would be, you know, you are the person who only looks and talks like you. You're unique and special and you don't want to look like anyone else. It's just really about finding your power. And remembering who you are, that you're okay, you're enough. It's very simple, yet a powerful process and reminder, right? Yeah, I think um, also something that I've done is kind of, you know, weed out what accounts I'm following that bring me down and don't lift me up. Um, so, you know, take, t take a look on social and see, you know, are these people adding value to my life? Are they inspiring me? Um, am, I, am I happy, you know, when, when I'm on social media? And if the answer is no, then you need to make some changes. As simple as that, right? Absolutely. Now, what I, one thing I did take away from you there was almost this concept of body image or this negative self-image that you have. Now, I want to relate back to a study out of the National Institute of Health, and it was on this topic of body dysmorphia. Now, for those listeners who don't know what body dysmorphia is, I'm going to define it right now. And it's a mental health condition where a person spends a lot of time worrying about the flaws in their appearance. Yep. Now, I, get, I know you've probably gone through this. I've gone through this. Everybody that we work with at Revive always at some point talks about some form of body dysmorphia. Now, I'm going to read the conclusion out of this study. They said, body dysmorphia disorder is relatively common among students. So again, us younger crowd and is significantly associated with depression, anxiety and stress. Now, the most commonly reported sites about this body dysmorphia was skin and waist circumference. Now, what do a lot of women follow on social media? Makeup tutorials, skin tutorials, they're following fitness influencers. So that constant repetition of, you know, my skin is so great. Here's what you need to do to look like my skin. Here's how to get your waistline super small. When you're trying to continue to live your life this way, this body dysmorphia just keeps getting hammered home because you're focusing on what you don't have, what you still need to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's two sides to the story here that I really want to do point out. Because when we're talking about waistline specifically and this image of uh, fitting into clothes or looking a certain way, there's the more full women and the more slimmer women. Right? So there's two sides of the story. Now, I'm going to give you a contrast between when we work with slim, more slimmer women and women who are a little more full. Now, a slim person says... In relation to clothes, I don't want to try on clothes that make me look like a kid and don't even fit me. I can't fill out clothes in a way that makes me look curvy. That's what a slim person says. But now if you go to more full women, they'll say skinny girls swim in skinny jeans. Meanwhile, I can't even button them up. So when you think that all of your problems will be solved by you being skinny, or you think all of your problems will be solved when you become more full, I want you to know there is always two sides to the story and having that perspective and awareness around it can really help you get back to where your body 
truly works wonders for you. you yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I could touch on that for sure. You know, um, it's really about finding clothes that are suitable to your body. Um, you know, whether that's skinny jeans or not, you don't need skinny jeans to look like, you know, what you think that you should look like. Mm. Um, because I think there's, you know, expectations from like externally too. How do people look at me? Um, are they, you know, are they looking at what I'm wearing, even about the types of clothes you buy? Um, you know, and, um, yeah. Okay. So I like what you said. Now I want to ask you personally, have you ever been affected by your own insecurities in your own body? Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, especially when I was growing up, um, you know, I used to be a little bit, uh, heavier, a little bit more curvy. Um, and I always kind of said to myself, you know, I want to be a bit skinnier and fast forward to now, I don't want to be skinny. Um, I like my body and I like the curves that I have. I don't want to look like anybody else. Um, and then I could also talk on, you know, comparison and how girls are comparing themselves to one another. Um, I have a friend, uh, and throughout the past year, I've been compared to her many, many times, usually from guys. Um, and, uh, the funny thing is, is that it never hurt my feelings because I don't want to look like her. I want to look like me. And that was a really big eye opener for me. You know, she's beautiful. She's tall. She's Russian. She's a model. I love her. She's one of my best friends, but, um, that's her thing. And, um, her style is her style. What she wears is what she wears. And that's not what I wear. Um, and I think that's what is special about each and every one of us is because we're all unique and, you know, you can go through a process where you can find out what fits your body, what you think, you know, fits for you personally, like emotionally. Um, and it's a journey, you know, um, you can try new things. You can try new looks, um, you know, just really explore who you are and your appearance will reflect that. So I think it really starts, you know, mentally than it does on the outside. So, you know, work your way through. Um, That's powerful. That really is powerful. And what I, one thing that you said there, especially in relation to your friend was saying, you know, that's her thing. Now that almost sounds like you have this rootedness in yourself, this self-assurance where you are comfortable with your body. You love your body. Now I want to ask you, how did you navigate that or overcome that? Because that's very hard to do. So walk us through that. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do I start? Like, I haven't always had the confidence that I have now. Um, Because when you do, you know, when you hit that soft spot where you're like, hey, like, I like who I am. I like the way I look. I like the clothes that I wear. I'm comfortable in myself. You will shine. You will be radiant. And that's when your vibration will rise. You will attract so many great things. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because when I see old photos of myself, um, I'm like, I was so skinny. Um, You know, throughout high school and college, um, you know, my weight fluctuated and I always thought I needed to look a certain way um, when really, like, it depends on, you know, what you're going through too. Like, a few years ago, I struggled with depression um, and I had it pretty bad. And, you know, sometimes I wouldn't eat. Um, 
you know, I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm really skinny. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know, instead of, um, you switch your mindset to what is my body doing for me instead of why do I look this way? I realized that my body got me through some of the toughest times in my life. And I'm so thankful for my body. And, you know, it's an ongoing process. Sometimes I love my body, sometimes I don't. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to have such high ex expectations for yourself. Like, to all my girls out there, you are beautiful just the way you are. Whatever you're going through, you're gonna get through it. Take a step back. And, you know, if you fall, you get knocked over, you just build yourself up and you build yourself up better. Um, and that's sometimes what I connect with some of my friends, some of my clients about when I'm doing the coaching, you know. Yeah. That's truly a great reminder, something that everyone needs to hear. So thank you for sharing that, Amanda. Uh, I want to stem now away from this comparison because again, insecurity does really stem from a comparison either of other people or a comparison to ourselves. Like you said, old photographs of yourself. Yep. Now, uh, this fear and anxiety and stress also comes from a lack of control, I believe. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. So control in the sense of, you know, I'm working out, I'm doing all this stuff. My body doesn't look any different or I'm going to bed hungry every day so I can wake up feeling skinny. Again, no change. Now you're trying every trick in the book to whether that's improve your health, whether improve your mental health, your stress, your weight, your nutrition, whatever it is, yet no change. And this is where we really start to spiral because we're doing everything right. Meanwhile, we're not getting the results we're promised. Now, I want to ask you personally, have you ever spiraled like this, whether it's in relation to your health or in relation to something else? So if you did, how did you overcome that? Walk us through that. Yeah, I mean... I agree, you know, and the thing that you have to remember is that you are in control, um, you know, of what you can change. And, um, you know, if you're trying things and they aren't working or you feel like you're doing the wrong things, um, maybe, you know, you just need some more time to figure out, you know, what I should be doing. Maybe you, you know, reach out to someone externally um, and you just kind of do a process of trial and error. And the most important thing is to not feel like you, you know, you're stuck and you, you know, you get down on yourself. Um, you know, I'm also not an expert on this, um, because it happens to me too. You know, nothing's working. What I'm trying isn't working. You're working out, like you're saying, you're eating well. You know, some people say it's, you know, 80% of what you eat and 20% of, you know, fitness, whether that's yoga, body movement, whatever, I would just, you know, just not have these high expectations of yourself and just kind of take it day by day and to not get, you know, it's, it's the motive, not, not to not get unmotivated. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now I want to just add onto that. So I was recently gifted a book by one of my friends called the things you only notice when you slow down or something around something yeah. of that title. And I want to tell anybody who's listening, if you're doing all these things to improve your health, your weight, your body, whatever it is, but yet there's no change, I want you to understand that you can't keep throwing stuff at the wall hoping something sticks. You need to step back, slow down, and be mindful about what is not working. Because so often when we're tunnel vision into a plan or a goal or a, or a strategy, we neglect to see the bigger picture. And until you step back, you might actually notice, oh, I'm trying all this stuff with the kitchen and this food, but 
I haven't been sleeping well. Maybe that's where the real problem is. Or, you know, I'm trying to meditate, do yoga and go on walks to alleviate my stress and anxiety, yet the environment that you're in every day with your friends is the real problem. In 2021, in Canada alone, there were almost 3.2 million people who suffered from an anxiety disorder. Now, you might be one of these people. You might be saying, that sounds exactly like what I've been through or am going through. And I hear you loud and clear. Now, everybody gives us tactics like yoga or meditation or do nature walks or something that really just eases your mind. Now, I want to ask you, and if you have the answer, give me a message. But how come everybody implementing these very things doesn't find success? Why does their anxiety still take over their lives? Why does their anxiety still get the better of them? Now, I believe that anxiety does require an approach to ease your mind, but it also requires an approach holistically. Once you upgrade your sleep, what you're doing in the kitchen, what your environment surrounds you with, and so many other things, that's when your anxiety can truly be alleviated and you start feeling more calmer, in control, and finally stop spiraling. Now, I want you and I want to help you. So please join our Live Better program today where I'm going to take you one by one through a done-for-you six-week program where you master every area of your life. We talk about mind work, environment that surrounds you, nutrition, movement, that's not just the gym, but movement in general, We look at anxiety as well, and most importantly, sleep. Now, the program is currently running for $67, and I want you to click those show notes below and hop on a call with me, book your call, and I'll see where I can personalize the program to you, your life, your needs, and what you truly want out of the program. I want to work with you. I want to work one-to-one. So please, if that sounds like something you want to do, lower that anxiety, improve your sleep, maybe improve that digestion that you have. And really start being more rooted and confident in yourself. Click that link in the show notes wherever you're listening to this too. Hop on the call with me and let's get going. Oh, I could talk an environment. For yeah, sure. for sure. Dive in. Let's do it. Um, it, it, you know, let's say you're anxious, stressed, depressed, whatever. If you're in an environment that is not conducive to your well-being, you can't move forward. It just it just doesn't work. I mean, you know, I changed my environment when I decided to, you know, take off and move to Florida for a year, and it was the best thing I ever did. And sometimes, you know, depending on, you know, what you're going through, sometimes you have to, you know, take risks and take chances. You know, spiraling happens to me. Um, something that I've actually been going through for the past two weeks. I, you know, went, uh, went on Christmas holidays, had a great vacation in uh, the Rocky Mountains, and um, I came back and I had these crazy high expectations for myself that, you know, okay, you're back, routines, eating well, you know, prepping for work every night, getting ready, blah, blah, blah. Um, and none of that happened. I continued to eat badly. I continued to um, not be able to stick to my routines. And that was very frustrating for me. Um, But yeah, I mean, spiraling in general usually happens from a thought. Um, It depends what, you know, the thought is. um, Because you really believe something that you think is true. 
um, when that may not be what reality actually is. Um, you know, for me, it's usually my environment or a situational issue in my life. Um, yes. And the thing that really stuck out for me there was when you were saying you tried all these things to do routines or you had all these different processes you want to put into place. And I want to ask you, do you believe, you know, setting this consistent routine, is it beneficial for alleviating some stress and anxiety or is it actually making it more heightened? What, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think having a routine and a structure, it's one of the best things you can do for yourself. Um, and I would suggest if you're struggling with, you know, trying to create a routine or find structure, start making your bed every day. Um, small. You know, something small. I mean, you know... The past two weeks, like I said, I even struggled making my bed every <laughs> day. <laughs> yeah. And I and I get so mad at myself and I'm like, no, like, you know, just take it one day by day. Um, yeah, but having a structure, a structure and a schedule or even is, is amazing. You know, get up at the same time every day. Make your bed, um, find movement, whether you're a gym goer, you know, you love to go to the gym, you're a weightlifter. Maybe that's not for your body. Maybe your body is more, you know, get up slowly, do some yoga, body movement. I mean, that's what works for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that as time goes on and you stick to your schedule, your brain knows what's coming next and it almost knows how you're going to feel. But I'm not a psychologist, so don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even still, like to your point, when you're putting in this routine, you're putting in the schedule you're gaining back a sense of control, a little, a little sense of predictability. Exactly. Right? That's, that's what it brings. It brings control. And that is almost the biggest thing that we all struggle with. We all, we, we, we want control over everything. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it's almost when you let go from control is when things will start to work in your favor and start to work, work for you. But that's something everyone struggles with. Um, so how do you let go? What's your process? How do I let go? Um, well, I have my routines. I get up, make my bed. Um, I love eating well. You know, eating well has made me feel good. Maybe, you know, you're like, okay, well, what can I try something that's new? Or what can I try that will improve, you know, my mental health or how I feel about myself, etc. And I started kickboxing. Um, it's totally new, you know, you kind of walk in and you're like, yeah, you know, everyone's better than me at this, but that's okay. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it humbles you a little bit because everybody's good at some things and others are not. And you just learn, um, you know, find things or find activities that are empowering to you. And the other thing is, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are your friends? Mm -hmm. um, I could I could really touch on this actually because you know I started doing my own personal development back in 2019. I found that some of my girlfriends were just a bit too bit too dramatic for me, and um, I've always you know had problems with conflict in the past. Um, but if you you know you want people around you that support you you know, that are, that are your friends. I've struggled with girls. I've struggled with bullying. Um, even, you know, still now I'm, you know, friends are in and out of my life and that's okay. You know, Amanda, that is really, uh, I got to give you some respect to that because when you're working on yourself, a lot of people are going to disconnect from you and you might have to move on. You might have to find 
new friends. So I'm going to give you lots of respect to that. Exactly. Um, what you did say there about overeating as well, or eating to just nourish your body. I want to touch on this aspect of overeating, especially in relation to stress and anxiety, because there's some people that really just, as soon as they're stressed, they turn to sugar. Now, a lot of girls don't want to admit that they overeat or they binge or they stress eat. Uh, and it's it, okay. It's it, okay, girlfriend. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> if you're if you're overeating, you know, it's okay. Um, so okay, I want to just ask you then: What are your tactics to help somebody find some or some comfort in something else when they're in that stressed out state instead of the food? Yeah, I mean, it really depends because I'm going to be honest with you, the way that I cope is emotional eating. Mm. Um, you know, I think when you're overeating, you're looking for dopamine, um, you know, serotonin, you know, may control your appetite, um, but you're really eating emotionally. So you need to find basically like a distraction is how it starts for me. That's what my therapist always tells me. Um, you know, you need to be getting some more sleep. You need to maybe get out with your girlfriends. It's finding a coping mechanism that almost brings you the same sense of reward yeah. for the food, right? In that sense? Yeah. Hanging out with friends, it gives you dopamine or getting more sleep. And again, it does make your body more reactive and more over-emotional. You're able to just stay logical in that sense and don't go for the cheesies. You know, you instead go for the nice whole foods meal, right? Yeah. And I used to eat pretty badly. I'm not going to lie. Um... But now I am dairy, gluten, and sugar-free. And you may ask me, you know, like, girl, like, how do you do that? Like, I can't do that. Like, like yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, because when you start eating better, you start feeling better. You're feeling bad because you're eating, like, crap, right? But the crap is what, you know, we have, oh, I need some sugar. It'll make me feel better. It'll give me that dopamine to make me feel better. Um, and, uh, I just, you know, want to tell you guys that there, you know, there are ways to enjoy food when you're stressed. Um, there's, you know, like I get like dairy free, gluten free pizza. I'm still eating a pizza, but it's just not so bad for me. Um, or maybe it's pasta, you know, and you know, it's hard sometimes to, when you're stressed, you want to order food. You don't want to make it. You know, it takes a lot of self-control to say, you know what, I'm going to save my money today and I'm going to make something instead. Yes. And even in that sense, you get more rooted in that behavior. You, you automate that habit in a much more positive way, right? So now I want to put it on the flip side right now. We just talked about stress and overeating. I want to talk about the women and men who, when they are stressed, they don't eat. They have no appetite. So now I want to ask you, how can you make sure that you are still nourished and nourishing your body when you are stressed? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely, you know, I'm, you know, not a expert on anything here, but, uh, you know, start with some sleep. Uh, make sure you're drinking enough water. Um, sometimes the simplest things um, add the most value to our lives and to ourselves. You know, what are you watching? Um, what are you listening to? Music actually is very healing for me and that's a way that I kind of work through whether I'm in like a mood or but yeah we're talking we're talking about under eating sorry I got a little off topic there and all under the same umbrella still good yeah yeah how do you nourish your body um you know what like I said what are you listening to what are you feeding your body um mentally too 
Because sometimes nourishing doesn't just have to be physical. Sometimes it can be mental as well. Um, and, you know, just try different things and see what works for you. That's a powerful insight right there. And even when you're nourishing, not just the physical, but your mental, it almost makes it easier to go make the food after or find food that's beneficial because you're in this new energy. You're in a better state to yeah. think about what is actually going to be good for my body. All right, Amanda, such a powerful conversation we had today. Thank you for coming on the show. I know our listeners are going to be hungry for more and want to connect with you. So where can they connect with you online? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would be super honored if you wanted to talk to me further after listening to me and thinking what I said was, you know, helpful or not. Um, but you could reach out at the Spiritual Baddie on Instagram. And that's kind of my landing spot right now. But thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, beautiful. We'll link that in the show notes. Click that wherever you're listening to this too. And hopefully you connect with Amanda and connect with us here at Revive on our website as well in the show notes. Thank you again, Amanda. Thanks.